0: Well hey everyone, it's Matt here from Bay Church, I'm the leader here and we are today going to conclude our series on God's presence, looking at how God's presence has been poured out throughout history. This is the talk I intended to give on Sunday, but because technology wasn't behaving itself, I was unable to. So it's going to feel a little bit different to our usual podcast or YouTube channel, however you're catching up on these talks. But we've been exploring how God has made his presence known throughout the Bible, throughout history, looking at the implications it has for you and for me in our everyday life. God's presence that we've seen um, has been poured out, in a, was poured out in a particular place to begin with, then for a particular purpose on a particular different people at different times. And then we saw how God makes his presence known through the person of Jesus Christ. And it was last week we celebrated Pentecost, where God pours out his spirit on all people, regardless of age or background. And today we're going to conclude by looking at how God is present in the world through us his people. I was once in TK Maxx, and I went up to the till, and I gave the guy my stuff that, that I wanted to buy, and he, and he asked me this strange question. He said, have you been cooking? And I thought, yeah, yes, I have, but I, it was a couple of hours ago, and he said, smells nice. And he said, some people hate the smell of garlic, but I love it. And firstly, I thought, well, that's a bit odd. That's a bit strange. But secondly, I sort of came to this realization. I had no idea that I was carrying the smell of garlic around with me. We often don't know what we carry around with us in in life. More seriously, perhaps we carry around regret or, or burdens. And maybe some of us are carrying around particular smells that we're unaware of too. But I also think we don't realize the good that we carry around with us. And I think to go about life unaware of what we might be carrying will either lead to hurt and pain, because maybe those are some of the things that we carry with us, or it will lead to missed opportunity and missed potential because we're not aware of the good that we carry with us. So do you know what you carry? Do you know that you are a carrier of God's presence? So often I find myself looking around for things that are external to to help meet a need. and And I forget that within me, I possess something far greater. Paul, in writing his second letter to the church in Corinth, wrote this. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Paul also wrote in his first letter to the church in Corinth, he said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And let's not lose sight of the significance of that word that we've been exploring through in this series. First, you had the temple, then Jesus came along and sort of was re- reordering the temple around himself as if he was a temple. And now Paul says, in the absence of Jesus physically, but in the filling of his spirit, you and I are temples, places where God's presence is. So, what does this mean? Well, God's presence throughout the Bible is understood to be the thing that brings life. Where God is, there is life. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. God's presence brings joy and peace. God's presence gives us strength. God's presence gives us hope. And Paul says that we are temples, carriers of God's presence in the world. And so that means wherever we are and wherever we find ourselves and whatever situation we're in, we are never too far from God's presence. We're never too far from being able to access God's power. It's this complete mystery, and yet beautiful at the same time, this, this spiritual truth, which is that God is everywhere. He's everywhere, but he's also in us, because we are temples filled with God's spirit, carriers of hope and life. And to begin with, I want to suggest it's the greatest resource that you will ever need in your life. The search for freedom and peace is not out there, but it's here, within you, within us. But please don't mishear me in this moment. This, this doesn't have anything to do with us. What I'm not saying, which is often what culture seems to suggest, is that if you look inside yourself and find your true self, and that there you'll find freedom, there you'll find... I'm not saying that. I'm saying, no, look inside and realize that the God of all creation the author of life, who holds everything together, has chosen to make his home in our hearts. There have been many times in my life where I've just been sat outside, um, sitting by my front door uh, to to our house, and sometimes for up to an hour because I've forgotten my keys and I'm just waiting for my family to get back and let me in. It's happened far too many times that I'd want to admit. But what's happened nearly the same amount of times as well is that when I've been let in, I then look in my bag and I realize I had the keys the whole time. I've just wasted an hour because I had what I needed the whole time. And there have been times throughout my life where I've gone through something difficult or I've needed something or I've wanted peace. I've wanted security and I've looked elsewhere for it. I've tried to fix it. I've gone in search for the answer and forgotten this promise of God that he walks alongside me, that he lives with me and that he lives in me. You and I, we don't need an app to make us more productive or more mindful or more resilient or to be more at peace. We don't need a better routine or a higher level of capacity or even we don't, we don't need a substance, we don't need some kind of pill to help us cope with things, anything from the outside. Because this is a truth that I've come to recognize in my life. Peace is not found in something external, but peace is found in someone who is internal. Peace is not found in something external, but peace is found in someone who is internal. And that is Jesus. All we need is God's presence, which Paul says we have unlimited access to, because we ourselves are the temples where God chooses to make his home. And like a resource to help us, you could say it's like, it's like a power source, enabling us, empowering us to be the people that God has created us to be, giving us strength when we feel weak, giving us courage when we feel alone, giving us hope when we feel lost. God's presence, the greatest resource available to those who ask for it. But how do we apply this truth, this truth that God lives within us, a constant source of peace and hope? How do we take hold of that? Because perhaps like me, you, you, you might find that hard to believe and you might even find it hard to, to live out in your daily life. Well, if it's a spiritual truth that God makes our lives a home for his presence, giving us the the greatest resource imaginable. Then it's our regular rhythms that will help us to experience it. Our, our rhythms are our daily habits or our routines. They don't. They don't. Um, by doing these rhythms, we don't then achieve God's love for us or achieve it. But actually, they help us to experience it more. There are two types of habits I think that really enable us to tap into this resource, and they are habits of resistance and habits of embrace. Let's look at that first one, habits of resistance, which is about resisting the pull of anything that takes us away from God and his presence. I'm quite into sports and fitness, not that you could tell, but one thing I've always wanted to be able to do, and I've never been able to do, is a pull-up. I'm not strong enough. The pull of gravity is too strong, which is a polite way of saying my arms aren't strong enough to lift up my body, which is another polite way of saying perhaps I'm just a little bit overweight. A friend of mine some years back had a pull-up bar in the doorway of his room and I would often, uh, when I walked past, attempt just one pull-up, if I could just do one pull-up. Now here's a tip for you, it's always worth checking if one of your friends has a pull-up bar at their house, it's always worth checking with them, who set it up, and whether or not you can trust them. Because one time I went for it, I went up to the bar and I tried to do this pull up. And as I as I get put all my weight onto it, it came off the door frame, smacked me in the face, and left me um, on the floor on my back. And I didn't try that again for some time. But had I kept going? Had I kept trying to, to, to just do one pull-up, the resistance created from trying to pull myself up would have over time gradually strengthened my muscles. And I would have become stronger and stronger over time. And I'm sure I would have been able to do just one pull-up. Resistance leads to strength over time. And that's what habits of resistance do for us. They over time we become stronger. The wider context of this verse that, we, that, that I read um, from Paul's letter to the, to the Corinthians, um, he's teaching the Christians in Corinth not to be yoked with unbelievers. Now, a yoke was a farming tool and it's a wooden cross piece fastened over the necks of, of two animals and used to plow a field. And they would just go in straight lines and, and plow the field. But if you had one strong animal and one weak animal within the same yoke, what would happen is these, these animals would just actually just end up going around in circles rather than a straight line. And that's the metaphor given to us. And it's because there are so many things in our life which are going to compete for our attention and that compete for our focus that are going to try and drag us one way or another there'll be there'll be things that seem good on the outside maybe even make a difference in the short term which, but aren't beneficial to us as we grow but God's presence alone is the thing that truly gives us strength and fills us with hope and unlike all the other stuff God's presence is constant it's consistent and it's reliable Walking in step with God, walking in step with the Spirit, which is something Paul continually encourages us to do. And it's it's the thing that God had always intended from the beginning of creation. Walking in step with the Spirit is the way to life and is the way to freedom. It's interesting that Jesus uses the same metaphor to say that his yoke, his way of life is easy. It's not a heavy burden, but one that offers true freedom. It takes a bit of desire, it takes a bit of discipline, but it's well worth it. And so what could you do? Well, in the the days of lockdown one, like many of us, I was finding it difficult to work at home and then parent and and be present to my family. One habit I introduced into my life was switching my phone off between four and seven. I worked a lot of evenings and so I would finish at four, but I found it just more tempting to, to be on my phone after I'd finished work um, than then I found it able to be present with my family. Turning off my phone helped me resist the unnecessary pull and helped me to connect better with my family. And with God, it's just the same. There are things that we can do to help us resist some of the temptations and, and pulls of life and help us experience more of the love of God. They could be no phone uh, before praying or reading the Bible. When you wake up, it it can be so tempting to just immediately look on social media and compare ourselves to the people around us or or open our phone up and just look at our emails and and start our day with the fear and dread of what's to come in our working day. A habit of resistance might be just saying, I'm not going to engage with any of that stuff until I read the Bible or I pray, I connect with God, starting my day in the truth of God. Another one might be fasting, which is resisting some of our basic needs and desires, but it it allows us this space to focus on God and allows us this space to hear from God as he speaks into our life. There's loads. And if you're watching this thinking, yeah, do you know I get quite distracted, I find it quite difficult because of everything that's going on in life really to, to focus on God, then I found this book really helpful. It's by Justin Early. It's called The Common Rule about habits of purpose for an age of distraction. Well, that's resistance, that's habits of resistance. And then secondly, habits of embrace welcoming the invitation to the Father's love. There are things to resist, but equally there are things that we can embrace and welcome in into our life that can help us. The passage um, continues, which I didn't read earlier, but it says, I will be a father to you. This is what God says. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God's heart for us, is that we would know him as our Father. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, where he defeated sin, he defeated death, he made it possible again to be in relationship with God. This wasn't something that we could ever do on our own, but God himself through Jesus achieved it for us. And because of that, you and I can be called sons and daughters, we are adopted into the family of God. And when Jesus talked about his father, he told stories of the father's unconditional love and the stories of the father's forgiveness for us. And, when, um, and, and that's, that's, that's an offer for all of us. That's an offer for all of us today, that we could be sons and daughters of our heavenly father, that we could know that love and forgiveness for ourselves. When, and when you experience the love of the father, you begin to change. We begin to reflect something of God as we start becoming more like Jesus. I met a couple in Exeter the, the other month at this event and I, I knew of them, but I, did, I, I don't really know them, but they really know my parents. This is my, this is my dad, a picture of my dad, very handsome chap I introduced myself to this couple and I said, hey, hey, I'm Matt Bray, it's nice to meet you. And they said, oh, we could tell who you were. You didn't need to tell us. You look exactly like your dad. Apparently, I do. And, and they, they could spot me a mile off that I was Mike Bray's son. But little do they know that, that actually I, I have the same laugh as my dad as well. And I have a lot of the same mannerisms as my dad, that I've picked up while I was growing up. But the truth is, I didn't try really hard to be like my dad. It, it happened naturally, it came as a result of growing up in my dad's presence. And the same is true of my eldest son, who is four, who, in the same way, is just naturally copying and picking up some of my characteristics and traits. The other day I was moving some of the toys out the way with with my foot and just kicking them to the side. And my son said to me, Daddy, is that how we treat our toys? And I'm thinking, oh gosh, he's becoming like me, poor him. And I think people think becoming more like Jesus is about trying really hard, trying really hard to be more patient or more loving. We think, oh, Jesus was kind, so I'm just going to be kind to everyone all the time. I mean, that would be exhausting. Becoming more like Jesus comes from this recognition, really, that God's Spirit lives in us. And by walking in step with the Spirit, those things that might seem like a distant dream for us, perhaps you're, you're there thinking, I could do with more patience. I could do with more peace. I could do with worrying less. I could, I could do with less anxiety in my life. Becoming more like Jesus comes firstly from this recognition that God's Spirit lives in us. And by walking in step with the Spirit, those things that perhaps for us seem like a distant dream, perhaps you're sitting there thinking, I could do with more patience. I could do with more peace. I could do with worrying so much. I, I, I could do with not feeling so anxious all the time. Or well, by inviting the love of the Father, the process of becoming more like him starts. It it happens naturally over time. So so don't beat yourself up if you're not really patient, really loving all the time. If you worry sometimes, if you feel anxious, don't beat yourself up, but just pray for more of God's spirit. Elsewhere, Paul says this. He says, those who live by the spirit desire what the spirit desires. It's, It's a process. It's a process whereby we live in God's spirit and God's spirit lives in us and we slowly become to, to, to reflect who God is. Several things I do in my day to remind myself of God's love, some habits of embrace. I've got several alarms. I've got an alarm that tells me to pray the Lord's Prayer, to refocus on God. I've got an alarm um, with lots of alarms, but one particular alarm is at 3.20 every day, which helps remind me of Ephesians 3.20. And just the other week, I was staring at my screen and trying to process some, let's just say some frustrating things. And I often forget about these alarms that I set, but but there it was, 3.20, this alarm came on and it it just stopped me where I was. And it reminded me that despite the frustrations in front of me despite the worries and fears or the things going on around me it stopped me in that moment and reminded me that I am a temple of the living God who lives in me and Ephesians 20 says this now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine and then check this out according to his power it's God's power which is at work within us in us. His power at work within us. And that's God's promise to fill us, to be our strength and to be our guide. God is present in the world through us. He hasn't left us on our own, but he has given us his spirit to live within us. The greatest power and the greatest resource available. And there are things that we can do which they don't achieve it for us, but they help us experience more of the love of God in our lives. But primarily our job is simple. Trust it and receive it and experience all that God wants to do in and through your life. Amen.